0: All right. Well, you got the uh, third string this morning. Uh, Dell's out. Sam was had the call to come and be with you guys, and Sam said, "Mark, why don't you do it?" So you got you got uh, third string this morning. But I'm happy to be here with you guys. I'm uh, my name is Mark Schaefer. If you don't know me, uh, my family uh, is in Tampa, Florida, and uh, we've been there. Uh, eight years, a little over eight years now, we were sent out from this church uh, to plant a church in in Tampa, Florida. And uh, so, uh, you know, just greetings from our church family in Tampa. We're coming up on our five-year anniversary. So uh, we've been in Tampa eight years, but the church started five years ago on actually uh, yesterday, uh, January 1st, we were commissioned as a church right here at, at Midtown. Uh, five years ago yesterday. So, uh, we're having a, our five-year anniversary, uh, service, uh, on January 16th. So here's the official invite. You want to get away from the cold. Chris just was there. Uh, so, uh, you know, buy your plane ticket, come to Tampa, join us for a service two weeks from today. We would love to have you, uh, be, be there with us. We're, we're going to have a good time together. So, uh, but thank you for letting me uh, jump in today. Work, you know, there's there's so much that that we get during a mission focus. So if you've been here for any of the services, you you're probably already feeling full, and you know what it's like eating when you're already full. It's hard to eat when you got a full stomach. But uh, but we do need to get in the Word this morning and uh, see what the Lord has for us. Uh, if you would, you can be turning over to Second Peter chapter three. Uh, you know, I had to just dig, dig on something that, uh, that we, we were in as a church this last year, uh, last night when I was getting ready, uh, for this morning. And I thought, I thought this was, this was an appropriate passage, uh, on coming on the heels of mission focus and everything that's happened this last week and, and what we've been able to feed on this week. I I think this, this might be something that will help us, uh, to process through that and get, um, uh, you know, some perspective of what God wants us to do uh, with everything we've got. Uh, this is a rich church. Am I right? You guys feel rich? It's a rich church. Uh, you, 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 you get more here in a week's time than a lot of churches get in a year. Uh, you should feel blessed and just rich to be a part of this, this ministry and this church. This is, this is just a good place uh, to get prepared for the mission but we got to do something with what we get don't we and so uh i think this will this will maybe help us in that that regard this morning so i don't know how it rolls am i go i i've got till when i've got till an hour okay well we're going to be done before an hour i can probably i can probably count on that so we'll take some time at the end to to pray and and uh, process and maybe uh uh, uh, share with each other some things that God's given us this week. Maybe we can do that toward the end. Uh, but uh, uh, let, let's let's get in this passage this morning uh, in Second Peter chapter three. As a church, uh, for us in Tampa, we went through Second Peter last year. Uh, in fact, this time last year, we were about right here in this this part of Second Peter, and so uh, this this was a, a, a just a, a blessing. For our church to go through this book, but I just want to re uh, take a look this morning at the first eight or uh, eight or nine verses. I think, I think we're going to stop about verse nine in chapter three. So, so if you would, let's just let's just ask the Lord to lead us this morning, and then we'll we'll jump into this passage. Father, thank you so much uh, this morning for your your goodness, God. We thank you for the the richness of your word and, and those that have brought your word to us this week. And and God, we do feel already full, uh, with what you've given to us. And, uh, we're so thankful for that. We got, we got to do something with it. And, uh, if we don't, if we don't get out and exercise, all the food just makes us fat. and So God help us to be people who are taking in what you give us. And then, Uh, you know, using it to build spiritual muscle in our life and, and to, to do what you've asked us to do. And so uh, Lord, help us again with that this morning, not just to take in uh, uh, more, more truth and not, not uh, see it fall out to us serving you better and and being more faithful in your mission. And so help us with that this morning, God, we love you so much. We ask you to guide us and, and we pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 1, this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last day scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved under fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men, but beloved be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There's a lot of things we could work through in this passage. We won't have time to work through all of that, but have you ever heard the saying, uh, ignorance is bliss, Anybody heard that saying? So what, what do people mean when they say ignorance is bliss? What, what, is, what, is that, what are they really trying to communicate when somebody says that? What? Yeah, you're willing to be ignorant. But w- yeah, yeah, that's, that's part of it. What, what's the bliss part? Yeah, yeah. Uh, if I don't know, I don't got to do anything. Uh, I can just exist. And so is ignorance really always bliss? So what people really mean uh, sometimes is better not to know certain things because when you know that thing, now you're accountable for that thing. And so I don't want to know the thing that I don't want to know. So I'm going to stay ignorant about the thing I should know, but I don't want to know, right? Uh, So you stay in the dark about some things. But let me just maybe bring some perspective to that. Is it really blissful to not know about the great white shark that's swimming out in the ocean near the shore uh, <laughs> when you and your, your little kids are, are swimming in the ocean. Is it really? Well, it is in, until great white shark takes a bite out of one of your, your kids or maybe takes some hole. Somebody's. No, it's all right. Uh, it's really not blissful then, is it? It was blissful until great white shark bit you. Uh, Is it really blissful not to know the speed limit? Well, it is until the red lights are blinking behind you. Yeah. Is it really blissful not to know truth from the word of God? Well, it is until we got to stand before our God at the judgment seat of Christ and answer for what we should have known and we didn't. No, because we didn't want to know because we didn't want to be accountable to that thing well it's blissful until it isn't and then we got to stand before our god and answer and so peter has some words of advice for us here concerning this blissful ignorance uh he wants to help us not be ignorant of the word of god um so uh, you know, in the first part of this passage, it talks about being mindful. If you look in verse two, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. And so to be mindful uh, means to be mindful of what God has said. So he tells us, he gives us the whole, the whole Bible. What do we need to be? Well, be mindful of the holy prophets. What's that? Well, that's our Old Testament. Being mindful also of the commandment of us, the apostles of our, well, there's our New Testament. So we're, we're, we're not, we're not uh, set free from, from all of the scriptures. We need to know the scriptures. It's a big book, but we need to be people that are people of the word that know, know the book. To be mindful of the word of God means to not be ignorant of what the word of God says. We need to put it into our minds so we're not blissfully ignorant. And the problem today is that many people would rather hear a, a reassuring lie than an inconvenient truth. Isn't that reality? Well, just, just lie to me, pastor, so I don't have to know what I got to do with it. Uh, just give me an inconvenient or, or a convenient lie rather than an inconvenient truth. Uh, we we'd just rather be lied to. Don't bother telling me about what the Bible has to say. I don't want to hear it because I don't want to be accountable to what it says. All that Bible stuff may be okay for you, but I like my life the way it is. And so don't don't ruffle uh, don't don't stir the waters and ruffle the feathers. Don't step on my toes. I'm good. Thank you. And so these people can always find someone who will tell them what they want to hear that makes them feel good and so we don't have time this morning all of second peter chapter two is about that about false teachers who came in and, and they'll just they'll tell people what they want to hear is this going on today it's going on right now i mean you got people who will tell people what they want to hear and and so you can't just say well it's the false teachers fault it's 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 all on them no I'm telling you, there's a lot of churches that are filled with with people who want to be blissfully ignorant. It's not just on the false teacher. A lot's on the false teacher. Don't get me wrong. But there's people who are going for that stuff. They're filling churches that want to be blissfully ignorant. It's on them too. No one's going to be able to stand before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ and say, well, you know. Dell didn't teach me right. Dell didn't give me everything I needed to know. Now you should know what you need to know, and 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 not be ignorant of what God has for you. I'm not calling Dell a false teacher, by the way. Uh, That's not true. If you're listening, Dell. So, you know, just give me something that makes me feel good, Pastor. Uh, No. Uh, and i know this isn't that kind of kind of church but we can fall into that can't we just give me something that feels good i want i want to i want to leave church today feeling good i want to leave today with you know the warm fuzzies don't tell me what i'm supposed to do just tell me uh, what god will do for me and so false teachers are happy to oblige that and they'll tickle the ears of any skeptic here out there that wants to feel good about themselves and and instead of giving them the truth of the word of God. And so aren't we thankful that that God's not that way and Peter's not that kind of preacher. So we're we're gonna get some preaching from Peter this morning uh, that will help us not be blissfully ignorant. Peter's not just gonna shoot straight with us. So there's a difference between being ignorant and being willingly ignorant. Now, I think if we were honest this morning, all of us would say, all of us are ignorant about something. I mean, don't give me a scalpel and put me uh, in a in a surgery room to operate on somebody's brain. You don't you don't want me doing that. I am ignorant about brain surgery. I'm ignorant about a lot of things. You know, I'm pretty ignorant about technology. You don't want me sitting there running the, the stuff this morning. I mean, we, we would be blowing up, you know, uh, things this morning. There's are certain things that it's okay to be ignorant about. All of us are ignorant about something. But the problem with ignorance is that the things we, we ought to know and we don't want to know, that's where it turns to willful ignorance, doesn't it? All of us can't know everything about everything. I can't do what some of you do. You can't do what some, some of the things I do. And that's okay. It's okay to have ignorance about things that are non-consequential you know, for your life. But, but when it comes down to the things of the word of God, we can't we can't be ignorant, can we? It just, It's not going to be good at the judgment seat of Christ. Willful, willful ignorance is something different. You can't know what you didn't know you were supposed to know. But you can know when we've got the word of God, you can know what you're supposed to know. But you got to be willing to know it and get in. Well, I didn't know the speed limit. But you did know that you chose to get a driver's license and get behind the wheel of a car. So you should know the speed limit, right? Ignorance of the law is no excuse. Well, I didn't know what time I was supposed to show up to work today, boss. Oh, but you took the job and you should know what, you know, you know, you, the time you're supposed to port, report to work. They shouldn't have to tell you, you know, hold your hand on everything, right? There are certain things you should know. I didn't know I was trespassing on the private property. Well, but you should have known. It was pretty important to check before you jumped over that fence and just took, you know, took liberties that maybe weren't yours. You, you understand the difference between ignorance and willful ignorance. And so people do this with the word of God all the time choosing to stay in the dark about God and his word, choosing to stay uninformed, choosing not to investigate God or his word. And yet the Bible says that men are without excuse. We are without excuse, Romans chapter one. So God lights every man that comes into the world. John one, nine, you know, man is without excuse. Everyone has enough information to know that we ought to be seeking this creator that made us. We've got enough information to know that I can't be willfully ignorant anymore. I've, I, I know enough. Creation reveals it, my conscience reveals it, and the word of God reveals it. I have no excuse. Romans 1, Romans 2, John chapter 1. You know, we just have no excuse before the Lord. And so today, I think in this passage, Peter is going to help us to see two groups of people who choose to stay ignorant about God and his word. And so here, here I'll just give you the two, and then, then we'll look at each one of them, okay? The first uh, group of folks are the, the, the blissfully ignorant scoffers. Uh, these are uh, typically lost, uh, defiant, choosing to be ignorant to God, uh, choosing to push God, uh, you know, keep him in at a distance. But we're also going to see this morning, the blissfully ignorant beloved. These are believers that should know what the word of God says, but choose not to. So we're going to see both of these. Uh, None of us are without excuse. So let's look at the first one, the blissfully ignorant scoffer. A scoffer is someone who makes light of or makes fun of something or someone. This is what it means to be a scoffer. Jude describes them in the the book of Jude, verse 18, uh, as mockers. Here's what Jude says. Uh, He says in verse 18, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. And so this, this sounds a lot like what Peter is saying here in verse three, knowing this first that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. So we've got scoffers and mockers, uh, people who are, uh, you know, not only blissfully ignorant, but they, they're, they're going to be vocal about it as well. They're just going to mock. They're going to scoff at everything that God, uh, in the, the word of God says. So notice the description of these scoffers or these mockers. It says they will appear in the last days. Uh, This is what Jude says as well. It's going to, they're going to come on the scene in the last days. And so we'll, we'll get to that here in a minute. Uh, But uh, we, we are in this time. Uh, These last days are actually years. If you look down in verse eight, you know, we, we know how God counts. He doesn't count like we count. So a day to the Lord is how long? Thousand years, a thousand years as a day. We're living in these last days or years. Uh, You know, we don't have time to get into all of that. But you know, six years of human history, or six thousand years of human history. uh, Six days of creation. uh, We're we're coming up on. We're in uh, just the the uh, uh, dawning of the seventh day. <clears throat> these last days uh, that Peter is talking about, that Jude is talking about, is really the last 2,000 years of human history. We're talking about these last days where these scoffers and mockers are going to start appearing and have been appearing for a while now. And so they're going to be characterized by their walking after their own lusts. In other words, they, they live for themselves. They don't want anyone else telling them what to do, especially not God or God's people. Uh, they don't want to be accountable for their actions because they want to do whatever their flesh and their lusts lead them to do. And so they're going to they're scoff or mock at the things that God says. They're going to say things like, where is the promise of his coming? Uh, that's not an honest question, is it? Think about it. They don't really believe in his coming. And so why are you going to mock and ask that question? That's not an honest question, is it? If you don't believe in his coming, then, then to ask where is the promise of his coming is not really honest. They don't really want to know anything about his coming. They scoff at the idea that there is a God who will hold them accountable at his coming. And so it's a smoke screen. This is This is how, and you need to know this when you're sharing the gospel with people. When you're sitting down with folks, you need to know it's just a smoke screen. People throw or throwing up smoke screens because the, the, the bottom line is they want to stay blissfully ignorant. They don't want to be accountable. And so they're going to throw up smoke screens. Well, where's the promise of, of, of his coming? The thought that God might actually exist and that he would hold them accountable. Well, that's terrifying, isn't it? If God really does exist, and he really is who the word of god says he is then oh my goodness hebrews 13 our god is a consuming fire (laughs) oh my goodness that means i need to do something about that because either i get consumed with god or i'm going to be consumed by god and my goodness what what do you want (laughs) Well I want to stay blissfully ignorant. I just don't want to think about that. I don't I you know I, I don't want that to be in my thoughts. So people are unwilling to change or adjust so they mock. This is just a smoke screen. It's just a, a defense mechanism. Uh, we mock what we don't want to know. And well look at those Christians. Look at what they're doing. Look at, look, look at the 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 you know there they go again. It's it's a smoke screen. And so people are still doing this today, mocking Christians for their faith in God, mock, mock, mocking believers for believing the Bible, mocking them for being accountable to, to God, to the Bible, to their church, to their pastors. And you're going to just let them tell you what to do. You're going to let everybody. And so he goes on to say, all, they, they, continue, they also say, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. In other words, where's God? Hey, you little Christians! Where is God? Where is He? Where you know you say you believe that? Well, where is He? Don't you see what's going on in our world? The world's going crazy. Where Where is God? What's going on? If God's real, where is He? Why are there so many problems? Why do we have all this social injustice? Why Why you know why is uh, you know our pastors sleeping with their secretaries and you know uh, running off with people's money what what is all of this why isn't god dealing with all this wrong what what's going on this isn't an honest honest question either they don't really believe that god actually that there actually was a creation to begin with so they're not being honest all things continue as they were from the beginning creation well you don't even believe in creation so so it's not honest to believe this they would have to believe there's a creator and if there is a creator And they're accountable. Smokescreens. And so people choose to stay ignorant. They are willingly willingly ignorant. I don't really want to know what the word of God says. Because if I discover that there really is evidence that God exists and that he is the creator and that he really will return at his second coming, then I'm going to be forced to be accountable to him and will not be able to live for myself. I won't be able to just continue doing what I want to do. I remember talking to a teenager several years ago, my wife and I worked with teenagers. This was actually before I was married. And, and, uh, you know, I'm sitting with this guy sharing the gospel and, you know, he's just battling over the gospel. And, and, uh, I said, man, you need to, you need to give your life to the Lord. And he said, I want to, I just don't want to stop sleeping with my girlfriend. Isn't that just every one of us before we knew the Lord. We just don't want to stop doing what we want to do. I, I you know, I, I got saved at a fairly young age. My, my uh, family uh, didn't, I didn't grow up going to church. I wasn't a church, church kid. My, my family, uh, most of them are, were lost. And, and so uh, I got invited to church by a, a friend of mine. I was in elementary school and, and he invited me to go to, to, to church with him and his family. And, and I did, and, and I heard the gospel and, And, you know, as a young man, I can even remember, I was just nine years old. I can still remember my friend invited me to come back to church. And I said, I don't want to come to church uh, anymore. And he's like, I want you to come with me. I I think he just, you know, he wanted a friend. Um, He might have had, you know, small amount of burden for me, uh, for my salvation, but probably more, he just wanted a friend, nine-year-olds, you know. And so we're at lunch and he says, hey, if you'll come to church with me, I'll, I'll give you my brownie. You know, brownie is a big deal on a, uh, uh, you know, cafeteria lunch tray. You know, that, that's like the That's the gold on, the, on the, uh, your cafeteria lunch. And I'll give you my brownie. And I still remember sitting there battling. Do I do I take this deal, you know? do I, 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 I take the brownie, uh, meaning I got to go to church. And I said, nah, it's okay. Keep your brownie. Uh, I, I still remember that battle, you know, as a nine-year-old wanting to stay, uh, blissfully ignorant. I didn't, I didn't want to be accountable. Uh, it wasn't much longer that, that the Lord got grabbed my heart and, and I, I placed my faith in the Lord, but, but this battle that is going on in the minds of people. And the real battle is I don't want to give up me. I don't want to give up who I am. I don't want to give up my stuff. And so uh, I'll just share with you. I'll probably get a little emotional to share this with you, but I've been praying for my dad, for his salvation for years. And uh, he's still... uh, uh, Still's lost, but just this week uh, we had our whole church praying. I've been praying this year for just opportunities with my dad, and so we were we were there. He lives down in Springfield, uh, Missouri, and so we were uh, with our family, and we we're just praying and asking God, God, give us opportunities. You know, it's the hardest thing to to uh, just you know open up spiritual conversations with my dad, and and. Um, so we're not long before we're going to leave, we, we got to drive back up here to Kansas City and, you know, within the next hour or two and, and we're sitting there and, and I'm just praying. And, and so finally I just said, Hey dad, you know, uh, he's had some bad health lately. And I just, just said, dad, uh, I, I want you to know, I'm, 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 praying for you. Uh, and our church is praying for you. And, uh, he's like, well, that's kind of weird. I a bunch of strangers praying for me that's weird and I said dad you know our church loves us and by extension they love you and and so uh they they care about your health and, and they're praying and and he said oh well, that, that's that's cool and, and he said I, I I get that and so uh, uh he said it's fine if you if you pray for me he said just just don't pray that that I'll change uh I, I don't want to change um yeah um so i said dad you know um i i couldn't change if i wanted to i i can't do anything to change anyone um but i do believe in a god that does and uh i'm praying that god will will change you i'm not trying to change you dad i you know i I love you I, i i can't can't do anything to make you do anything I, i'm your son you know i can't do anything um but i, I do believe god changes lives and i'm going to pray that god will change you and he's like okay I, I i accept that i take that and so if you would if you just think of it just pray for for mike Schaefer uh, that that he will hear the lord and 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 I'm sure every one of us in the room has someone that you're just aching over for their salvation and aching over for for God to get their heart, that they wouldn't stay blissfully ignorant. You know, they wouldn't stay in a place of of pushing God into a corner and pushing him away. Um, I'm sure every one of us has someone like that in our life. You know, ignorance of God or his word is willful because man should know that he needs to know. You and I were made to worship our creator. You were made in the image and the, the, like, the likeness of God. You're made to be like him, to be connected to him. No one is going to be able to stand before God one day and, uh, before God one day and say, "But but I didn't know. And so to know a little bit of what Peter is talking about in verses five through seven, you need to know a little bit about the heavens. And we don't have time probably to, to fully get into this. You know, we could, I guess uh, if we see how we're, how we're doing here, but uh, there's more than one heaven. The Bible tells us. So verses five through seven, it says they're willingly ignorant this, they're willing, willingly ignorant of that by the word of God, the heavens were of old. So, uh, we've got three heavens listed out for us in the scripture. Uh, Psalm 148 lays these out very distinctly for us. Uh, Psalm 148, the first couple of verses uh, starts us in the third heaven and walks us down through the heavens. Uh, the first, the third heaven is the place where God dwells. It's the an- angelic realm. It's where the angels are. It's where the throne, God's throne is located. We know this is the third heaven, because Paul wrote about it in second Corinthians chapter 12, that he went there. Uh, he knew a man that went there and he was that man and uh, that he he spent time in the third heaven. So you got three heavens, uh, you know, just by virtue of Paul saying he went to the third one. Well, there's got to be a, a first and the second. Psalm 148 uh, tells us in verses three through six, the, the second heaven describes it as outer space. This is where the sun, the moon, the stars are located it's a dark and cold place, and then the first heaven uh, being uh, the earth where we are and the earth's atmosphere, and I know many of you know this, uh, but this is what Peter is, is telling us. Don't be ignorant of these things, and so this is, this is a part of this willful ignorance that people don't want to, to admit to, and so there's an unseen divider between each of these heavens, something unseen and this is why you know uh there's there's so much uh ignorance about god and and his universe because god has put some 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 uh, invisible lines here so we've got an invisible line between the first and second heaven it's called the Car- carm line carmen carmen line uh you guys familiar with that term uh so that that is the 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 invisible boundary befer- between earth's atmosphere and outer space and so once you cross that line and you get out of uh, the Earth's atmosphere, uh, the atmosphere is too thin for con- con- conventional aircraft to maintain flight there. And this is why we got to build rocket ships to, to go through this. And, and you lose uh, you know the Earth's gravity around that line. And, and so man has figured out how safely to cross this line and still return. Um, Unless you're a conspiracy theorist and think that you know we haven't actually landed on the moon, uh, we we won't go there. But so there's also a barrier between the second and the third heaven. Uh, like the other boundary, this one is also invisible. This boundary is made up of of water. Um, we don't have time to get into all of that. The, the, but this is the waters that be above the heavens that Psalm 148 verse 4 talks about. Uh, this boundary can all, cannot be surpassed. Uh, Psalm 148, verse 6 tells us you can't get past that boundary. You're, man's never going to find a way to uh, build a rocket ship or, or build a power, powerful enough telescope to uh, get past that boundary. Uh, no being is allowed to access past this boundary with, without God's consent. Uh, and so you're just not, not going to be able to cross that line. And so these, this information about the three current heavens will, will help us understand Peter's description of God's three judgments on the earth. And this is, this is where I'm really going with this. All creation is accountable to a holy and righteous creator God. No being is excluded from this accountability. And so notice the three judgments that Peter talks about here. So we got three heavens and there's going to be three judgments that God's going to bring. The first judgment in verse five, this is God's original creation. And so the heaven here is, is, is singular in Genesis chapter one, because this is, uh, there's no outer space yet. Uh, this is God's original creation and God. Brings judgment on that. Something happened between Genesis 1 1 and Genesis 1 2. We've got a judgment taking place there. God does not create things that are without form and void. And so uh, God is light, in him is no darkness at all. Uh, first John 1 5. And so this is what Peter wrote about here in verse 4, saying, Where is the promise of his coming? Since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. And so this is what Peter's talking about. So the judgment here was on Satan. Satan's judgment, uh, Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, Satan's fall. Some of the angels sinned by following Satan in his rebellion against God. So God cast Satan and his angels out of heaven, brought judgment on them. Uh, This was a judgment of darkness. The second judgment in verse 6, 2 Peter 3, 6 is the judgment of the earth, the the creation account in Genesis 1-3 through 23 is actually the recreation of the earth, God brought the earth into judgment, the first thing God did in his recreation was to reintroduce his light, he said, let there be light, this was not the sun uh, or the moon light, this was the light of God's presence, in in Genesis 1-6, God made a firmament, that firmament was the expanse of space, and this is what we know today as outer space, and this firmament Became the second heaven, separating the first heaven from the throne of God and the third heaven. And so man became separated uh, from God. But when the, uh, the imaginations of the thoughts of man's heart became only, only evil continually, God brought his second judgment on the earth. This was a judgment of water uh, with Noah's flood in Genesis 7. And then we have a, a third judgment that Peter talks about in verse 7. The heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So this third judgment is the, again, God restarted his plan for the earth. This time he spared Noah and his family. And and these are the heavens and the earth, which are now, which has been continuing for, you know, 6,000 years, roughly. This earth where we currently dwell will be destroyed again in judgment. This will be a judgment of fire that Peter tells us. And after this, the final judgment on the earth, God will create new heavens and a new earth. And so so why is this important for us to know? Why, are we, why is Peter telling us about these heavens and the judgment of these? And there's a lot more we could talk about in all that, uh, but we, we just won't take the time to do so. All this about three heavens and three judgments of the earth. Why? Why, Peter? Why are you telling us all this? Don't forget the context here. He was talking about scoffers in the last days, mocking and making fun of Jesus' second coming and about how it seems that God is not doing anything about any of this. And they conclude that God must not be real. Big mistake. Big mistake. There's been some judgments already, and we see some evidence of those judgments already. And so we don't want to be willfully ignorant that there is still a coming judgment, and this is where we just, like Jude tells us, we just got to get, uh, we, 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 we've just got to get burdened for people to pull them out of the fire, as Jude says. It's coming, and and we'll get to believers here in a second, but this is part of of our our call at a mission-focused conference is there is a lost world that we've got to get burdened for to pull them out of the fire, to save some. And so Peter wants us to know this. If you just listen to what God has to say and hear him out, You'll understand that others have scoffed before and it didn't work out too well for them. The angels scoffed at God's judgment. They left their first estate, Jude tells us. The people of Noah's day scoffed at Noah's ridiculous boat until the flood waters rose. It was blissful ignorance until the, the, the rain came and the waters started rising. People are still scoffing today until Jesus returns in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, 2 Thessalonians one eight. It, it's blissful until it isn't. And oh, brothers and sisters, we've got we've to be burdened for those around us. Here's the point. God always keeps his word. Always. He will do what he said he will do. Always. Man would do well to heed God's warning and not mock or scoff at him. Proverbs 14.9, fools make a mock at sin, but among the righteous there's favor. Just because his return is delayed does not mean he ain't coming. (laughs) Just because man is blissfully enjoying his ignorance of God does not mean that there's ignorance, uh, that their ignorance is going to remain blissful. So every scoffer is going to stand before God and have to answer to him for why they rejected the knowledge of him. None are going to have an excuse. So if you know a scoffer, you know a mocker, uh, let's, let's just get earnest in prayer. Uh, let's be people that are just begging God. I've been begging God, you know, for, for a long time for my dad, but in particular this year, his, his health is not, uh, great. And, and I'm just begging God. God, have mercy. Keep keep my dad uh, breathing long enough so he can receive the gospel. We just need to beg God. We don't we don't order God around. Uh, we we don't get to boss God around and tell. And I told my dad this. I, I said, I can't make you change, and God's not gonna either. I don't boss God around and tell him you know do something that my dad doesn't want done. No, God's not my servant. We're His. But I'm, Dad, I'm 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 begging God that God would get your attention, that He would He would get your heart. We need to be begging God for people to leave the scoffers' camp while they still have a chance to do so. And so, if you know a scoffer, you know a mocker. Uh, instead of getting on social media and ranting, raving about how the world's going to hell in a handbasket, you know, it's on us <laughs> to to beg God for these souls. All right, I want to spend the rest of the time talking about this second group here. And so it's one thing to be a blissful, ignorant scoffer, but I want you to notice Peter's terminology here in verse 8. But what's, what's the next word he says here? Beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. Peter shifts gears here. He's not talking to the the mockers and scoffers now. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to believers. And he says, beloved, be not ignorant. Unfortunately, it's not only the lost scoffer who chooses to be blissfully ignorant today. The beloved believers are also susceptible to be an ignorant of God and of his word and this is why Peter says what he says here in verse 8 and but I want you to notice what Peter is going to tell us that believers in these last days are blissfully ignorant of and it's 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 a key thing that that all of us need to take heed to we've we've heard this week at Mission Focus and 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 is so key for us to not be blissfully ignorant of, and it's this one little thing, time. We can't get numb to the fact that we are running out of time. And for the believer today, this is where many believers choose to stay blissfully ignorant. They're not redeeming the time they're not understanding that the time is short. You may have 30 more years on this planet. Oh, 30 years are going to go like that. You may have 10, you may have five. We, we, we don't know when Christ is coming back. We don't know when we're going to breathe our last breath or when this body is going to drop and we're going to pick a, a glorified body and, and shoot into the, third heaven we don't know when that's going to happen but it doesn't matter when it's going to happen because regardless of when it happens the time is short and so this is where believers choose to be blissfully ignorant today about this one thing time his time frame is different than our time frame and so God tells us here one day to God is how much a thousand years. In other words, he can make a short time seem like a long time. God can do that. He can make time seem to stand still sometimes like it did for me the other day when I was getting to share the gospel and, and talk to my dad. You know, we we were getting ready to leave and get in the car and we just had a little bit of time left before we were going to drive back to Kansas City and God just stretched that time. And I was just rejoicing all the way back to Kansas City saying, thank you, Lord, for that time with my dad, that hour that we spent seemed like a day, you know, God can make a short time seem longer if we're involved in the right things. In God's estimation of timing of his return, a few days might mean a couple thousand years. That's what he's telling us here. But what this tends to do is man becomes impatient and skeptical about his return. Where's Where's this return that we've been hearing all about since I became a Christian long ago? Seems like long ago. See, man thinks that he has all the time in the world. Even the saved man is tempted to not live with any urgency of life because we feel like time is, you know, is plentiful. Even the saved man spends his time on worthless things, thinking he can always get right with God another time. I can always make that right when now is the time. Let's get, let, you know, let's don't waste the time we have in a conference week like this where where we get so much stuff and and we just well yeah i I got it in my notebook and i'll get to let's let's start putting these things into our lives now you've heard some things this week put those things take that step now don't put it off so the saved man or the saved woman thinks there's always another day to confess sin There's always another day to get serious about God's word. There's always another day to consider God's calling and mission for my life. There's always another day. And we just keep putting it off. And guess what? That day for change never comes, does it? So one day to God is a thousand years, but oh, a thousand years to God also is one day. In other words, he can make a long time seem short. He can make time seem to fly by, by God's estimation of your life here. <laughs> just get this 24 hours is to 1000 years as 1.68 hours is to 70 years, the average lifespan. So by the time we're done here this morning in God's estimation of a life and just the, the, the time we'll be at church today in God's estimation of life, that's it what you got 1.68 hours your life lasts about one hour and 41 minutes in god's estimation and the time the clock is ticking down this isn't a baseball game that could just keep going on forever yeah i love baseball you sit in a baseball game and you, you know there's there's no clock i remember going with uh, some some people who didn't understand baseball and they're like, so how do they know when to get off the field and go into the dugout and you know how do they know when to switch and when how do they know when this game's over? Well, you know theoretically it could go on forever. You know baseball and you know that's why it's the heavenly sport. Baseball's awesome. You know yeah, we're going to be doing baseball in eternity because it it just can keep going on forever. You just there's always more time in baseball, but we are living. An existence of a a football game. And that clock is ticking down. And there will be an expiration to, I mean, I guess theoretically, if you have enough penalties, football could go on forever too, or you know, over time. But the clock is ticking down. We're not gaining time, we're losing it. So a thousand years to God is as one day he can make time seem to fly by. Life is a vapor. In reality, it's here. And gone in the blink of an eye. You do not have all the time in the world. If you're not redeeming the time. What are you doing with it? Well, you're wasting it. <laughs> if we're not redeeming the time. And taking opportunities with time. You know, uh, Netflix just took a hour, another hour out of my life. I can't get that back. The clock of your life is ticking down. So Moses tells us we don't have time to look at it, but Psalm 90 tells us to, to teach us we need to learn to number our days and understand that, you know we've got a limited time. So brothers and sisters, regarding our Lord's return, it may seem like meeting your God is a long way off, but in reality, it could very well be just moments away, and in God's estimation of time, it is, just moments away. So are you, are you preparing for his return like it could be today? We may not get very far into 2022, and God may say it's time. Time up. Time's up. The buzzer is sounding. The trumpet's blowing, and we are done, and, and we're not going to have opportunity to sit down. I won't have opportunity to sit down with my dad anymore and share the gospel. You don't have opportunity to sit down with your coworker or your, your, your loved one and and share the gospel. Are you preparing for his, his return? Like it's just moments away. And so many of us are procrastinators when it comes to things in our life. I'm the, you know, my, my motto is why do today, what I can put off till tomorrow. You know, my wife's motto is why put off till tomorrow, what I could do five years ago you know so she she's helps me in that regard i'm a procrastinator and so we just keep putting things off we just keep pushing things aside we just keep uh you know uh keeping ourselves blissfully ignorant of time You're never going to be able to adequately prepare for the Lord's return by procrastinating and cramming at the end. You know, any any crammers, you know, you've got a, a exam or a test. Some of you guys might be an LFBI and you're going to put it off and put it off, and then at the very end, you're going to cram and try to just power that thing down. You know, I, I pulled a lot of overnighters in in college, and so you know, I I understand that. And so there's a lot uh, of Of things that are competing for our time but when it comes to the things of the lord getting prepared if you're not in discipleship you're running out of time to get get equipped get in in this in in a relationship discipleship relationship you're not taking lfbi classes just because you you're putting it off till another day get equipped get the stuff you need to get start getting a a a uh uh, an equipping that's going to allow you to redeem the time and use what time we have left. And while you're doing that, while you're getting equipped, then uh, use those things as you're don't don't just pack them and and save them for later. You you know this this is what I love about our fellowship of churches is that uh, we're equipping people while we're doing the work of the ministry, and we're doing the work of the ministry while we're equipping because the time is short and we just gotta, we gotta be, we gotta make sure we're doing it all simultaneously. It's not all right. Four years of, of, uh, you know, seminary level training, just go, go do that for four years. And and then, then we'll see about you getting used, no get the training and use the stuff while you're getting it and, and keep moving because the time is short. You guys tracking with me? Understand? Yeah. you, You guys know. just not going to work to cram now's the time to be right with god today's the day to get moving in his word um uh, whatever that looks like you know uh forget news, new year's resolutions just just have a resolution that you're going to be gods for the rest of your life and just say i'm going to just be involved in his mission no matter what and so god tells us here that in verse nine that he has not slacked on his promise There's so much more we could look at here, but verse 9, look at it. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but as long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So here's the deal. God's not slacking off. He knows the time. It's us that slacks. God's not slack. We can't be either. We got to be. We got to be uh, good redeemers of the time. Are you delaying any obedience to God right now, today? Is there anything that you're you're uh, just choosing to stay uh, blissfully ignorant on? And you know, this is a good church, and I know we've got uh, as as we've already said, just we're rich with so many things. But uh, man, don't don't just pack things away for later let's, let's 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 use what we've given and so maybe what do we got just a few minutes uh maybe we could take some time just to pray with one another as we close out this morning and, and get into groups and maybe just br- briefly uh share one thing that god's uh impacted in your life this week something you got from mission focus something that you got uh in your own reading uh and, and let's pray for one another to redeem the time maybe maybe just one thing that god's got right out in front of you right now i know i need to do this and i need to do it now and so let's can we can we just close that way just praying for one another uh with whatever that one thing is that that we know we need to do right now uh, can we do that is that that good all right let's grab one or two folks and we'll just uh, close out our time and prayer together and then I, I don't know who's closing officially but uh let's let's just let's just grab somebody and pray and and uh, let's redeem the time together all right all right